Hey guys, this is Mark checking in with you of a guy at Ride a Podcast. Still under the weather with COVID at our house, so we're dropping another unreleased segment that we recorded earlier. So please follow us along and enjoy. We're praying for you. Pray for us, and we'll talk soon. Bye. Hi. Hi. What's up? What's up? I'm Mark. I'm a guy. And she's Andrea, and she's a yawning bride. Yeah, I've was I've been so stressed, and I'm finally not stressed tonight. And I'm like, oh. No, you relax. Yeah. Oh, and we're reading the Bible. A guy, a bride, and a Bible. Welcome to the podcast. Tonight's going to be juicy. Man, as the world turns. <laughs> it's something else. Um, 2 Samuel 13. Psalm 53. And Ezekiel. 13. 30. 13. 13. And Luke 16, 1 to 17, 10. Okay. Let's do this. What? We just don't jump in it. Yeah. We are in a state. I'm tired. We, we're in a state of mind. We're wrapping up our rewatch, her first watch, one of the greatest shows on television, Chuck. And babe, mm-hmm. you. Then you told me you never wanted to watch it. So you never watched it when it was out. Because mm-hmm. you thought it was just lame or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now, what are, your, what are your feelings? It's good. Oh, it's more than good. <laughs> Come on. John Casey is my favorite. He rocks it. Oh, that's Adam Baldwin. Hi, Adam. Hi, Adam. Adam, you can... Is he, does he love Jesus? Adam, do you love Jesus? We'll have to find that out. I think you do. I'll have to tag you. I mean, either way, you're welcome to come on the show. Sorry, listen to the show. I bet just he does. Bible. Can we talk a little celebrity action? We just, my bride here is so amazing. She sends me this little clip and um, because Norm MacDonald just passed away uh, this week, this last week. And there's a little YouTube clip of him defending the faith a little bit. Norm MacDonald loving Jesus, guys. That's pretty awesome. Kept his faith a little on the DL. Uh-huh. So... He had cancer, but he uh, he's the Lord. Yep, that's awesome. It's awesome, and he had really good points. In his... He had good reason, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you get a chance to find that YouTube clip, go for it. Just kind of Google away and look for Norm Macdonald uh, gets woke by Jesus, mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. So that was awesome, and you had an awesome day. I did. Oh, man, a day we all love to have. Can't talk too much about it, but epic. Life, life, life-changing life, kind of stuff. So, shall we talk about life-changing stuff? David's life's about to change yep. again. I wish we could have like a, a timeline to see how long each thing is happening in David's life, you know, from... The, like we know that it was 15 years that uh, Saul chased David and how long it took for David to get to the, to the throne and all this other stuff. Well, we're about to go into the next problem. So he takes Bathsheba from Uriah. A year later, Nathan confronts David and David repents. And now in chapter 13, I don't know how long this gap is right now. But now we're about to go into another horrible 
situation with David's family. So maybe we all can take a breath and realize our families aren't as crazy as David's. Well, let's pray. Lord God, you're awesome, wonderful, powerful, mighty, caring, loving, merciful. And we are thankful to be yours. We're thankful for your word, and we ask for understanding tonight as we read. We ask for hunger for our next uh, course as we pour into your word. May those who partake of this with us be equally as blessed. May their marriages be healed, and may they even be um, thriving because of your word. And for those who are uh, working toward marriage and their betrothals, are working on their own hearts. We pray mercy and uh, ministry upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Uh, this is going to be intense. Little. Okay. You got a little something? No, I'm just, I'm so tired that I'm. Are you fading here? Yeah, let's just, let's read. Okay, I'm going to punch through this. I'm going to punch through this. If she fades, it might be a short episode. Chapter 13, 2 Samuel. It happened afterwards that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, fell in love with her. And Amnon was so frustrated that he felt ill because of Tamar, his sister, because she was a virgin. And it was too difficult in Amnon's eyes to do anything with her. Now Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, the brother of David. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man, and he said to him, Why are you so sullen every morning, O son of the king? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I am in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. Then Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and appear ill. If your father comes to see you, you shall say to him, Please, let Tamar, my sister, come and give me food to eat and let her prepare the food before my eyes in order that I may see it and eat from her hand. So Amnon laid down and pretended to be ill, and the king came to see him. Amnon said to him, Please let Tamar, my sister, come. Let her bake two cakes before my eyes that I may eat from her hand. So David sent to the house of Tamar, saying, Please go to the house of Amnon, your brother, and prepare food for him. Tamar went to the house of Amnon, her brother. And now he was laying down, lying down, and she took the dough and kneaded it and made cakes before his eyes. And she baked the cakes. Then she took the pan and poured it out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, Let all the men go out from me. So all the men left him. And then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food to the private room that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cakes which he had, she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the private room. When she brought them near to him to eat, he took hold of her. And he said, Come lie with me, sister. Then Tamar said to him, No, my brother, do not force me, for such a thing has not been done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. As for me, where should I take my disgrace? You will be as one of the fools in Israel. So please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he was not willing to listen to her voice. She was stronger than he. He was stronger than she, and he forced her, and he lay with her. Then Amnon hated her very deeply, for the hatred with which he hated her 
was greater than the love he, which he had loved her. So Ammon said to her, Get up and go. Then she said to him, No, because this evil in sending me away is greater than the other you have done to me. But he was not willing to listen to her. Then he called his young man who was serving him and said, Please send this woman from me to the outside and bolt the door behind her. Now there was a long-sleeved robe on her, for so they clothed the daughters of the king who were virgins in robes. His servant put her outside, and he, but, and he bolted the door behind her. Tamar put ashes on her head, and she tore the long-sleeved robe which was on her. She put her hand on her head, and she went away, crying as she went. Absalom, her brother, said to her, Was Amnon your brother with you? But now, my sister, be quiet. He is your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. So Tamar remained a desolate woman in the house of Absalom, her brother. Now King David heard all these things. He became very angry. Absalom did not speak with Amnon, either good or bad, for Absalom hated Amnon over the matter when he raped Tamar, his sister. About two full years later, Absalom's shearers were in Baal-hazer, which is near Ephraim. And Absalom summoned all the sons of the king. Then Absalom went to the king and said, Look here are your servants' shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. The king said to Absalom, No, my son, not all of us shall go, so that we, so that we not be a burden to you. And he urged him, but he was not willing to go. But he blessed him. And Absalom said, But will you not let Amnon, my brother, go with us? And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom pressed him. So he sent Amnon with him and all of the sons of the king. Absalom commanded his servant, saying, Please watch. At the moment the heart of Amnon is tipsy with wine, then I shall say to you, Strike Amnon down, and you shall kill him. Don't be afraid. Is it not I myself who has commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. So Absalom's servants did to Amnon just as Absalom commanded. And all the sons of the king got up and each mounted his mule and fled. While they were on the way, the message came to David. Absalom has killed all the sons of the king and not one of them was left. And the king rose and tore his garments and lay on the ground. And all his servants standing by were tearing their garments. When Jonadab, the son of Shimeah, the brother of David, responded and said, My lord, should not think that all the young men, the sons of the king, are dead, because only Amnon is dead. Absalom was talking about it, as it was being determined from the day he raped Tamar, his sister. So then let not my lord the king set his heart on this matter, thinking all my sons, all the sons of the king, are dead, for only Amnon alone is. So Absalom fled, and the young man who was keeping watch lifted up his eyes and saw, and there were many people coming from the road behind him from the side of the mountain. Jonadab said to the king, Look, the sons of the king have come, according to the word of your servant, so it has come about. When he finished speaking, look, the sons of the king came, and they lifted up their voice and wept. Also the king and all his servants wept a very great weeping. Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amihud, the king of Geshur. David mourned over his son day after day, but Absalom had fled and went to Geshur. He was there for three years. So now we're talking five years after the fact. King David longed to go out to Absalom, for he was consoled with Amnon had died. <clears throat> okay. 
intense stuff. Very intense stuff. So 16 commentary here. Um, the wrong is greater because having violated her, he was obliged to bury her. Yes, that's from the old law. Even if they're related? Well, they were, were related, but this was um, his half-sister. This they were related. So they had different mothers. Okay, and then 21, David was angry, but the commentary says he was angry but did not execute Amnon as he should have from Leviticus. This may be due to the fact that Amnon was David's firstborn and would be expected to inherit the throne. All kinds of problems. David making mistakes and fatherhood mistakes, man mistakes. I think I heard, I read this, maybe I heard it. Did we hear this in a sermon together somewhere? I don't think so. Um, so David, I don't think he ever saw Absalom again. Um, in person. Possibly. That's poss I, I actually don't know that to be 100% true or false. Because he fled and went to Talmai, the son of da-da-da. Well, something's David about to happen in the next son. chapter. Yeah, I think that at least a long time goes by. Yeah. He longed to see Absalom, but... Because Absalom's about to take the kingdom from yeah. David. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read it. Stinker. All right. Psalm 53. So moral story is keep your keep yourself away from your sister. I have nothing but respect for you and I'm not going to throw any cheap shots at that. Okay. Because I've got them, but you know, that's right. actually, this is just it's way too sensitive, man. Okay. Assaulting woman. Psalm 53. Oh, good. And this psalm, essentially identical to Psalm 14, David laments the moral foolishness and corruption of the human race, like his son, mm -hmm. and longs for the establishing of the righteous kingdom of the Lord on earth. Um, Mahalath, which is according to somebody, a term <sighs> meaning sickness, possibly the first word of a well-known tune to which the psalm was sung. Okay. All right. Um... The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have committed abominable injustice. There is no one who does good. God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is anyone who understands, who seeks after God. Every one of them has turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Have the workers of wickedness no knowledge who eat up my people as though they are ate bread and have not called upon God? There they were in great fear, where no fear had been. For God scattered the bones of him who had camped against me. You put them to shame, because God had rejected them. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores his captive people, let Jacob re rejoice. Let Israel be glad. A little um, bit of so an echo here. I only have, yeah, I only have two comments. Um, verse 1, notice how doctrine, and in parentheses, no God, affects conduct. Corrupt. Well, I've got a Hebrew word for you on fool. On fool. The Hebrew word is naval, and it refers to someone, not only do they reject God, but they replace God and choose evil. So it's not just simply someone who goes, there's no God, I'm an atheist. The person who rejects God is choosing a replacement at the same time. 
So that's why it's more, a much more significant thing because then it follows up with them being corrupt and such. But this, we get down to a little bit there. There was none who does good. In verse 3, all of them have turned away or turned back. They're altogether corrupt. There's none who does good. There's not even one. Sound like Romans? For the wages of sin is death. There's no one who seeks at God. So Paul was paraphrasing David. Or the psalmist, I should say. Just wanted to point that out there. Um, Old Testament wins again. Thank you. Thank you very much. My New Testament lovers. Okay, where am I going? Ezekiel? Um, 13. Easy 13. Okay, my people. More false prophets. I love it when we crush the false prophets. Uh, okay, let me just read it out. Condemnation of false prophets, Ezekiel 13. And the word of Yahweh came to me saying, Mortal, prophesy to the prophets of Israel who are prophesying. And quick note real. Okay. But you must say to those who are prophets out of their own imagination. Mm. Mic drop. Hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says the Lord Yahweh. Alas, for the foolish prophets who are going after their own spirit, and they did not see anything. Your prophets have been like foxes among ruins. You did not go up into the breaches and repair a wall for the house of Israel to stand firm in the battle on the day of Yahweh. They saw falseness and a lying divination. The one saying, Declaration of Yahweh, and Yahweh did not send them, and they wait for the confirmation of their word. Have you not seen a false vision and a spoken, a lying divination? And you said, Declaration of Yahweh, thus saith the Lord. But I myself did not speak. Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, because of your speaking falseness and because you envisioned a lie, therefore look, I am against you, declares the Lord Yahweh, and it will be my hand against the prophets who are seeing falseness and who are practicing lying divination. They will not be in the council of my people, and they will not be written down in the record book of the house of Israel and into the land of Israel. They will not come. And then you will know that I am the Lord Yahweh because, yes, because they led my people astray, saying, Peace! And there is no peace. And when anyone builds a flimsy wall, look, they coat it with whitewash. Say to those covering it with whitewash that it will fall. There will be a torrent of rain, and I will give stones of hail, and they will fall. And a windstorm will burst forth. And look, when the wall falls, will it not be said of you, Where is the Lord white, where is the whitewash with which you covered it? Therefore says the Lord Yahweh, and so I will let burst forth a windstorm in my rage, and let and there will be a torrent of rain in my anger, and hailstones in my rage for complete destruction. And I will break down the wall that you covered with whitewash, and I will knock it to the ground, and its foundation will be revealed, and it will fall, and you will come to an end in the midst of it, and you will know that I am Yahweh, and I will fully vent my rage against the wall, against those covering it with whitewash, and I will say to you, the wall is no more, and the people covering it are no more. 
that is, the prophets of Israel, the ones prophesying concerning Jerusalem, and the ones seeing visions of peace, and there is no peace, declares the Lord, Yahweh. And you, son of man, mortal, place your face upon place your face toward the daughters of your people who prophesy from their imagination and prophesy against them. And you must say, thus says the Lord Yahweh, Woe to those who sow magic charm bands on all the wrists of the hands of my people, and those who make the veils that are on the head of my people of every height to ensnare people's lives. Will you ensnare the lives of my people and keep yourselves alive? And you defiled me among my people for a handful of barley and morsels of bread to kill persons who should not die and to keep alive persons who do not live by means of your lies to my people who are listening to your lies. Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, Look, I am against your magic charm bands with which you are ensnaring persons as birds. I will tear them from your arms and I will release the persons that you are ensnaring, treating persons as birds. And I will tear off your veils and I will deliver my people from your hand. And they will not any longer be in your hand as prey and you will know that I am Yahweh, because you disheartened the heart of the righteous by deception, and I have not caused him pain, and strengthened the hands of the wicked, and so that he did not turn from his wicked way to save his life. Therefore, falseness you will not see, and divination you will not practice any longer, and I will rescue my people from your hand, and you will know that I am Yahweh. Wow. So much in there that I love. I'm going to say right now, I love the Lord's fury in this. He's not making any cryptic comments. So I just have a little um, general comment from Ryrie okay. um, about false prophets. They did not build the moral defenses of the people from verse 5. They lied and saw false visions. Mm-hmm. And they whitewashed sin. Mm-hmm. So a true prophet, thinking the opposite here, would build moral defenses of the people. So build, I guess build moral defenses, would like teach righteousness, encourage righteousness, mm-hmm. um, tell the truth, have real visions from God, and would not whitewash sin, would call sin for what it is. And then nine false prophets would lose their influence citizenship and their homeland and whitewash of false prophecy of peace mm-hmm. and source and 17 to 23 sorceresses using occult powers were putting curses on the innocent and promising life to wrongdoers the exact nature of these spells is uncertain but they involved the use of bands and veils that's the part that I wanted to bring to attention too Verses 1718, uh, commentary, the second half of the oracles directed at the female prophets involved in magic. Um, Woe to those who sew magic charm bands on all the wrists of the hands of the people and who make the veils that are on the heads of the people of every height. The two parts of this oracle are divided by two woe sayings directed first at the male and then the female prophets. The magic charm bands, the Hebrew word here is keseth. Uh, and is likely related to the Akkadian term for magic or um, the Babylonian incantations involved magic knots and bonds. So we're seeing again Israel taking hold of other religions 
and claiming it from God. And I'm just going to say it. This still exists today. Yeah. We have a tremendous... Uh, Big industry. Industry, thank you. Within the church of false prophets and other false things that are within churches. And I'm, I caution you, listeners, if you're wondering what we're talking about, there's plenty of stuff to find online in regards to this. Other teachers that were in the New Age and in a cult and have gotten saved, and they point back to the church now and like, what they're doing is what we did in the New Age. And things are happening in the church that are not of God, but are being claimed to be of God, just like here in Ezekiel 13. It is happening today in America and other parts of the world. Do not be deceived by those who are false prophets today. And the only way you cannot be deceived, honestly, is to put yourself in the Word of God, to trust it first and most. If you trust your heart, you're deceived. You have to trust the Word of God. If it's the Holy Spirit leading you, the Holy Spirit will never violate the Word of God, ever. He'll never take it out of context, ever. But those who want their fame, their fortune, and power and control, who are led by a false spirit of Antichrist, they're out there. They're out there and they're popular and they are wealthy and they have minions following them wanting to be just like them. Be aware. That's all I got to say. So let's move along. Where are we ending up? Luke. 16, 1 to 17, 10. Luke 16. I'm your father. Okay. Concerning wealth. This is Jesus. He was saying to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give me, give an accounting for your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors, and he began saying to the first, How much do you owe the, man- the master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, Make friends for yourselves by means of the mammon of unrighteousness, so that when it fails... They will receive you into eternal dwellings. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be despised, devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
Then the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since then, the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter of the law to fail. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries the one who is divorced from a husband commits adultery. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling down from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away, and the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died, and he was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things, but now he is being comforted here and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to, to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so they might not, so they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will they will repent. But he said to him, If you if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Boom. And then concerning forgiveness, for he says his he said to his disciples, It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through which they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, then he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times, saying, I repent, forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. But which of you, having a slave plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? But he will not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you may eat and drink. He who does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that was a doozy too. Um, I felt an echo here of what I just, we just got done talking about in Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. When we get down to verses 30 and 31. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone rises from the dead. And at this moment, when Jesus is telling this, all they had was Moses and the prophets. That was their Bible. He's quite actually saying, if they're not going to read the Tanakh and believe it, then even a resurrection won't be enough for them. And that goes to the false prophets. If you cannot believe the word of God standing on its own and you have to have some crazy outlandish experience to drive you into a more passionate relationship, it's not Jesus you're having a relationship with. It's something altogether different. To be careful of signs that you're chasing, Jesus said it right there. Mm-hmm. Be very careful what you're chasing. If it doesn't start and end in the word of God, you are chasing something false. That is for sure. But let me check my note here real quick. Um, just really super fast. Uh, one stroke, one letter, cloth, or Lazarus. This is the only named character in Jesus' parables. Jesus probably uses the name due to its meaning, God helps. This character is not to be confused with Martha and Mary's brother, whom Jesus raised from the dead. So the only, my only caveat, the personal caveat is this. I heard taught, I heard it taught a long time ago, and I mean probably 20 or 30 years ago, that there is a, uh, a secondary pursuit of the definition of this, that this wasn't an actual parable. No. Because in all of the Gospels, this is the only Gospel Jesus gives a proper name. Never does Jesus say oh. Lazarus. Gotcha. So some teachers believe, and I tend to believe it with them, that this was an actual man that was passed on the road in Jerusalem. Okay. That everyone knew who Lazarus the poor man was. And everyone knew who that rich man was. Okay. And so I believe this was Jesus not telling a parable, but relaying a message through what happens to, because he's talking to a Jewish audience. When these two people died, this is what happens. One already got his reward. He doesn't get another eternal reward. He's done. But the one who had temporary suffering gets eternal blessing. And that is analogy, but I also think that it's truth with it really happened. I could be wrong. I'm willing to be wrong because it's just a thing. It doesn't cost my salvation. But um, I'd love to talk to you about it. So you can email us, Andrea in Mark A at gmail.com. I think we're wrapped up. It's a quick one tonight. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for listening to us, guys. We're uh, glad you're with us. Our Keiths and Susans and Laney's and Walkers and all the people, we love you. We're praying for you and hope you're praying for us. Keep reading the Word of God. Keep grabbing your bride or your husband and kiss on them. Read the Word of God and kiss some more. I like that idea. So, I'm Mark. I'm a guy. I'm Andrea. I'm a bride. And we just got done reading the Bible. Good night.